Hey everybody and welcome to the fourth episode of DCI, where we bring you interviews with different talented people from inside the video game industry. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Brian and I speak with the lovely Kate Drummond, who is the new voice of Anna Grimm's daughter in the new Splinter Cell game, Splinter Cell Blacklist. We have a great chat talking about all kinds of things from her life before acting to what it's like to be in a video game to the objectification of women in video games. We run the gamut of everything. We also ask some user questions, so stay tuned for those. If you want to find out more about Darkstation, you can do that at darkstation.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at darkstation underscore com. If you want to subscribe to us on iTunes, you can do that with the Darkcast. Uh, also, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com. Uh, if you want to find out more about Kate Drummond or Splinter Cell Blacklist, check out the links below. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode. On with the show. So Brian, you've got some uh, you've got some nice nice buff shoulders there in your little um, avatar. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, <laughs> that, it makes up for the scarring in the cheeks. It's <laughs> uh, I always forget that I have that up there. Put an actual a, picture there. <laughs> it's okay, Jonathan. Jonathan's got a nice scholarly, friendly looking photo, yes. and you've got this sort of white floating ghost. Yeah, well, I like, you know, I do, it's, it's kind of like uh, when you're watching sports on TV and you've got the, the play-by-play man and the color <laughs> commentary. So. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for calling. Oh, no problem. Thank you for thank being you for willing to do this. <laughs> this is awesome. Are you guys in the same city or in the same place? Or uh, Not even close. <laughs> six hours away. He's yeah. in Atlanta. I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And we're... Uh, besides what uh, Joel and Alan, we're probably the closest two people of everyone on Dark Station. I would imagine yeah. uh, we're we're oh. all over the country. So amazing! Uh, we're actually out of the country too. We've got a guy in uh, the UK and a guy in New Zealand, I think. So, jeez, Dark Station is taking over the world. We're we're trying to slowly but surely, one country at a time. Absolutely. <laughs> That's it. When we get our first country, we'll uh, be sure to grant you. <laughs> Uh, you know, VIP status. That's that's great. Yeah, I want to be there. I want to be there that for that front of the line. You, you, you will be on the protected rolls. <laughs> uh, but so, like like I said in the email, we we like this to be as conversational as possible. So if you want to go off on tangents, you're more than welcome to. I like the that you've given me the the green the green light for going off on tangents oh, because yes. that's oh, yes. that's usually my problem is that you know one thing sparks another sparks another which is. To, exactly what's happening right now well, yeah yeah uh but i mean that's what we found in, in doing you know interviews is that's the most interesting stuff though yeah that's uh, when you kind of go off on tangents uh usually the uh the direct answers to some questions are kind of the most boring so. yeah no kidding no kidding so that's also why podcasts are more fun than doing written re- interviews because then you get that answer and that's it so this gets to be all willy-nilly 
I, it's funny. I tried to do it. I had a, um, a written interview where I actually had to, they sent me a couple of questions, just like a rapid fire thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had, I had all these, you know, tendencies to put, you know, smiley face or <laughs> LOL, just to show that I was joking, you know, when I made a comment about, you know, Sam Fisher or something like that, um, or ha ha ha. And I thought this is, this is so, I'm going to take out all that lingo and just put it as that. But I, I was thinking to myself, there's going to be some people who read this and have no idea that I'm joking because I'm quite a ham. So they won't actually get that. <laughs> Sarcasm does not yeah. transfer well over the written word most of the oh. time. <laughs> I'm telling you, it doesn't. I'm, I, I know that. So, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. they, they've got bold and they've got italics. They've got underlining. There should be some sort of font that means sarcasm. <laughs> it would make the world a much easier place to live in. Yeah, it's almost like the the font would be extra bold and three dimensional, like right in your face, like <laughs> like someone giving you the stink eye, you know, like yeah, that's right, you know, that kind of you can really read that sarcasm. I think that sure. would be the <laughs> the font. <laughs> hey Brian, we should uh, we should get on that, get that uh, patented, and then we can just do the video game thing forever and not have to worry about another job. Hey, it's too late. It's, it's too late. It's already done. It's already, it's already done. done. It's, yeah, she yeah. said it. It's it's happened. I did it about. 35 seconds ago. <laughs> oh, well. Goddamn internet. <laughs> Damn it. And it's all recorded, so you're in trouble, too. Yeah, this so, is gold, man. This is gold. Th- this okay. is, no, yeah, this is definitely going in the interview. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the stink eye font. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, you know, Microsoft Word is going to come after me for this. They're going to say, hey, we, we want to know something about the stink eye font. You know, tell us a little bit more about that and your experience with it. Like wow, well, let ask me tell you, to you. Endorse a special, you know, scratch and sniff paper that you get with the stink iPhone. <laughs> oh god, oh, don't god. even get me oh. started. <laughs> oh my goodness, oh. we're all gonna be millionaires. This is great. This all is right, great. Um, we should just have an entire an entire interview, you know, devoted to all of our great inventions that we're sitting on and haven't patented yet. You know, because I'm sure you guys have got a few in your pockets that you think about. Oh, wouldn't it be great if we had this and that and yeah, and then I immediately forget about them, so <laughs> I don't know how well that would go. <laughs> I've got nothing useful. This is going to be a real short podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and scene. And scene, done. Although the, the only no, one no, that no, I... No, no, I'm sorry. That's right. Improvising is all about saying yes. So <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, then. I have a ton of ideas, starting <laughs> with my mouse right here. Yes. <laughs> um, actually, I, I do have one idea, and we're just since this has already gone off the rails, then we're just going to keep going with it. Um, I want to create a broom that has a magnet in it, so that when you're sweeping up things, things like screws and nails and stuff like that get picked up by the head of the broom. That's a and great then you can idea. Pull the bristles off and kind of brush those out, and then you have all those screws and nails and things right there. I, I can even like picture the infomercial. Be great. Maybe maybe I could be in your infomercial. <laughs> you know, because sometimes things happen in the Paladin, and you know, it would be sort of, you know, we could, you know, when the, there's problems, which I can't say, but if there is ever a problem, you know, in that situation, um, you know, there might be some screws going loose, and Grim's gonna have to get the broom out. Uh, you know, actually, this is a podcast. I have to acknowledge how great a transition that yes, was. Yes, you are obviously <laughs> a professional. Uh, <laughs> are you kidding? I'd be happy talking about your magnetic broom all night. Uh, you know, that's, that's the weirdness of me. 
But I was thinking actually I would give I would hand over the gro- the the broom to um to Charlie Cole. I'd probably hand it to him instead and make him do it. You know. <laughs> Just cuz you know Grim doesn't do the housekeeping. <laughs> she's got more important things going on, you know. <laughs> yeah, she's she's got she's got stuff to do. Oh my goodness, I almost let a little swear word go. That wouldn't have been it's good. Okay. That's okay. We're good here. We you, you can work a little blue if that's what it takes. Yeah. <laughs> a little blue. Yeah, we don't we don't necessarily encourage swearing, but we also don't prevent it. So if it if it makes the point better or if it makes the joke funnier, go for it. Oh goodness. Well, I'm not a big cursor, so if it does slip out, it's usually in you know when I'm really really adamant about something. You know, for instance, if I were talking about your magnetic broom on the infomercial, it would be very hard for me to not throw out curse words because <laughs> you know I'd be so excited. It'd just like this is you know. The bet, you know, it would just continue to go on from there. And then I would do stink eye font for this story because it's all <laughs> sarcasm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, I guess we should get started with the actual interview part of this. Okay. Um, let's uh, let's start with some of the basics. Uh, you know, where where are you from? Um, I and doing some research, you had a another job before acting. So if you could just kind of talk to us about um about that sure yeah i uh i'm actually from um southern ontario and ontario is a province in canada and um i sort of i i hopped cities because my parents changed professions my dad was a police officer um my mom worked at a milk factory and um it's just such a cute story anyways they um we ended up moving from town to town moved to a new city and um so i spent a lot of my life living in sarnia which is chemical valley is that behind the the wardrobe (laughs) yeah it may as well be it's it's, (laughs) um, you know sarnia is so charming and 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 strange all in the same you know, notion. Um, it, it's Chemical Valley, so it's really close to Detroit. Um, it's got, you know, it shares the same waterway. You know, everyone dumps their pollutants in the water, and <laughs> you know, it was just sort of one of those, one of those, uh, one of those cities where we didn't just have, you know, fire drills as kids. We had chemical explosion drills as kids. You know, oh, every man. Monday. You know, like, and I was the one in charge, obviously, of getting the bucket and handing out all the wet rags to all the students to put over their mouths. And I mean, I look back and I think, oh my gosh, you know, how were we not traumatized? And and perhaps I was, and I just don't realize it. But, um, you know, so that that I ended up going to uh, university for um, kinesiology because I actually thought I wanted to be a doctor at one point, and then quickly realized I, uh, I, um, I had a fear of needles and blood and, you know, death. Career ended. (laughs) Promptly. Much, much to my father's dismay. He'd just spent, you know, 19 years calling me Dr. Drummond to all his friends. So, you know, I ended up going, um, naturally because I'd been a coach all my life and been involved in, in competitive sports all my life. I, um, I went into teaching, um, into the education system and spent 12 years teaching elementary school kids in Ottawa. Um, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I uh, wouldn't, wouldn't trade a day of it. Um, well, maybe a day of report cards, but, uh, you know, <laughs> the other days I'd keep. Um, and, uh, yeah, when I was 30, actually, I was kind of in this rut in my life and I was feeling 
kind of empty. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I remember sort of lying in bed at night one, one night, just sort of staring at the ceiling, you know, Kate, Kate, when you're 80, what are you going to regret not doing? And um, it was, you know, pursuing my acting career. You know, I, I always, as a kid, right from the time I was old enough to have an opinion, I was, you know, <laughs> putting on shows and all that kind of stuff. And, and I was just so enthralled by watching theater and um, movies and things like that. Um, so yeah, I, I took my first acting class when I was 30 and you know, never looked back. So the, the, the transformation from school teacher, you know, in my ABC cardigan, um, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It didn't have the alphabet, but it did have snowflakes. I'm not going to lie, but I taught <laughs> kindergarten at some, you know, for some of those years. So, um, That's perfect then. <laughs> just, you know, a reindeer jumper would have been great too. It, it don't, have you seen my closet? What, how did you know that? <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, but it, uh, you know, what ended up happening is that I ended up really taking to, um, acting and opportunities just started unfolding in front of me very rapidly. Um, I did a lot of stage, you know, movies of the week, things like that while I was also teaching. And then, uh, just a couple years ago, a few years ago, decided that, you know, I, it was too hard to balance two passions like this, and it was time to move and go to Toronto where the work was, and hopefully there was a better chance at making a career as an actress, and, you know, knock on wood, Toronto has been an incredible city for me. I've, I've, uh, it is, has, has embraced me, like, you know, nothing I'd ever expected. Everyone, everyone sort of treated me like, you know, oh, you're 35 and you're moving to Toronto? Oh, you've got you want to be a movie star and the, you know, kind of like this sort of pessimism and, and, and I, and I, I would always sort of look at them, you know, with like this strange look on my face. Like, I don't really think you understand what I'm going out for. I'm not looking for my face on, you know, whatever the inquirer. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I want to, I want to story tell. I want to, I want to do this. I, I want to take it seriously. I want to, you know, really invest in this passion of mine because I'll regret it if I don't. And, uh, and so here I am, you know, I sold everything I owned and up. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was a day. Talk about going off on a tangent. When I sold all my stuff because I needed to be able to, you know, come to Toronto with a, some money in case, you know, I didn't work. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I remember the one day, you know, someone coming into my, into my house in Ottawa and leaving with my coffee table and my couches and my this and my that. And by the time it, the day was over, it was, you could hear your, you know, your echo in the house. It was the strangest feeling, but, um, <laughs> I quickly, quickly got over, you know, my attachment to those things. Cause I don't even remember what color my couch was, but, um, well, that's a lie. It was cream and it was really <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was like, no, no, no. I remember exactly what that couch felt like. Actually, I do. I loved it, actually. It was very comfortable, and it's way more comfortable than the one I have now. But, you know, all kidding aside, it, uh, it you know, you you realize what sacrifice is. You, uh, you, find the way, you find a way to make it work. So that was the, that was the transition. It was, it was scary, you know. My family even had an intervention. <laughs> an acting intervention or a selling yeah. intervention yeah exactly. it was it was um it was it was the well we're concerned that you're not making the right decision kate because you know teaching has the pension and the security and you at the age of you know 35 are you want to be an artist 
wow, <laughs> you know. Um, but then they, and then they, you know, they realized how driven I was, and and then started seeing some of my work, and it was it was a really beautiful moment when um, my father said to me, you know, I I think. I know now why you're doing what you're doing. I think you're doing exactly what you're designed to be doing. And that's a big thing to hear from your parents, you know, that they've supported this, this thing, you know, into the, cause they, they worry about their student, their, their kids, you know, they worry about them and they want them to be, you know, secure for the rest of their lives. But now, you know, my parents are now joking about, you know, when are you going to land that movie role so you can buy us a house and <laughs> Now the table turns. <laughs> yeah, be an intervention if I wanted to go back to teaching because, you know, Lord knows they're not going to get that, you know, that cottage in the Muskokas on my uh, teaching salary. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, so that that's the that's how I ended up uh, in Toronto and and working as a full time actor, which is great. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So uh, is there, um, do you ever think that you'll go back to teaching or is acting the, the way to go from here on out? Heavens yeah. no, it's the Muskokas, come I, well, on. <laughs> yeah, once, no, once you get the house in the Muskokas and the house and the keys and the house, wherever else. <laughs> <laughs> wherever else. Um, you know, I just, I'd just be happy, you know, living in a place where I didn't have neighbors above me that felt like they were coming through the ceiling when they walked, you know, um, that's what I'm aspiring for now. That's my short term goal. Um, my long term goals. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I, will I go back to teaching? I will always be teaching in some respect, whether I go back to the traditional classroom, probably not at this. I don't see that happening. Um, but you know, I've got hopes down the, down the way of opening up you know, like an education, like an educational facility that really caters to, um, you know, kids, kids in sort of kids in crisis who um, could really benefit from a strong drama program and a strong sports program. And I'd, I'd like to sort of incorporate my drama and my athletic background um, into like this big facility, you know, it's going to cost me like a bazillion dollars. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, I'd like there, you know, to be like a, an animal sanctuary on site. And, you know, that's, that's the ultimate dream. So, you know, I, I'd still be teaching kids, but I'd be sort of teaching them in a non-traditional way. So. Sure. And, and, and so you mentioned uh, acting and sports. So obviously you want to train new splinter cell agents, right? Am I <laughs> reading that correctly? Absolutely. That's Absolutely. also the animal sanctuary. There's nothing's going to get you running, like running from a leopard. <laughs> or... Or, you know, some puppies. That's right. Or puppies. That's right. Because puppies can be a little intimidating. <laughs> what what kind of puppies do they have in Canada? <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, we don't really have intimidating puppies, at least not in Georgia and Florida. Uh. Our, pups, our puppies do not walk around wearing sunglasses. Our puppies walk around, you know, with these massive fur coats. Because it's, it's winter all all year round here in Canada, you know, sure. in our igloos, isn't that what people think? Is that what <laughs> it's it's cold and polite up there. The the people make up for the cold, frigid weather. Oh my gosh! Cold and polite. I you know, jeez. I I subscribe to all kinds of stereotypical Canadian things. So oh. uh, <laughs> my, my version of Canada comes completely through um, how I met your mother. So oh. whatever Robin Shabatsky says 
is is Bible for me. I love her. Uh. <laughs> she's so she's so great. That's such a great role. Um, yeah, you know, Canada's very. We are we do just walk the stereotype, don't we? Um, <laughs> and we also have you know maple syrup for every meal. Obviously, kind of like <laughs> like else. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie, Elf? Oh, God, yes. yes. That's... Absolutely. We were watching like, it the other night. It was on, like, Encore or something. Oh, my gosh. It's so <laughs> classic, right? So, yeah, that's that's us. We can we Canucks always have our maple syrup up our sleeve. <laughs> Ready to go. Yeah. Good no. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, yeah, you know. So, yeah, training new Splinter Cell agents. Back to the topic of Splinter Cell. Um, so, but before Splinter Cell, you've obviously been in, in several uh, television shows and TV movies and things like yeah. that. Can you tell us a little bit about those projects? Absolutely. Um, one that's airing, I think, right now in this all through the States is um, a miniseries called Cat 8, which is short for Category 8. There are no felines in this. It's not like a Sharknado <laughs> cat. Are we coming in? Is this, are we hating this series? <laughs> this, this isn't oh the sequel God. to Sharknado, Catnado? Oh, man. It's not Catnado. Um, but it's, it's, a really, it's a really fun, fun, you know, disaster movie, end of the world. You know, giant solar flares are heading towards the planet. And, you know, it's up to Matthew Modine who's this, you know, renegade scientist and my ex-husband and we share a child. Um, you know, it's up to him to sort of save humankind. And uh, I'm telling you, it was such a blast to shoot because it was like being at Universal Studios. The sets were so realistic and things were actually exploding beside you and stuff. And it was kind of like, whoa, my gosh, what's happening? Um, <laughs> so to see it to see it now run airing, it's, it's pretty cool. I saw it and uh, it's fun. It's the fun, you know, if you can sort of suspend some of your scientific laws of, you know, and beliefs um, just a little bit for <laughs> for the sake of, you know, a good fiction story. Um, yeah, that 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 one's out right now. Also, um, yeah, I, I'm you can catch a, a snapshot of me on Covert Affairs, I think this week or last week or I don't know, the new season. Um and, uh, yeah, uh, there's a movie of the week coming up called Clara's Deadly Secret, and it hasn't been released yet, so I'm not sure exactly what, uh, where or what is going to be, you know, the schedule for that, but um, really fun little thriller where I play uh, a mom who's sort of, who's not sort of, <laughs> she is tormented by the death of her child and spends, <laughs> I know, right? That was sort of so, so wrong. <laughs> so many levels. Oh, it's like man. some days it's bad, some days, you know. Ah. Well, she spends, you know, she spends, you know, a lifetime, you know, dealing with it and she ends up in an institution and all this stuff. So it's it's fun. It's not it's not a not a lead role, but it's uh it's it's an important role. And uh, I had a lot of fun shooting it because it's it, it was sort of the opposite of what I typically play, which are, you know, strong contained powerful women who you know know what's going on and they kind of have all that vulnerability sort of swimming below the surface but it doesn't quite come out in full force but it does in clara's deadly secret because of the topic obviously so um yeah so that those are some of the, the projects and then just you know a variety of movies of the week and i did an episode of being human and stuff like that so it's been good. It's been a good few years. Oh my gosh! Just thinking about all this stuff, I'm thinking, wow, I'm pretty lucky. You know, pretty lucky, pretty lucky girl. Absolutely, sure. success sounds fun. 
<laughs> it is fun until it's until it's not happening, and then it sucks. You know, is, uh, a lot, is there a lot of time between rolls, or are you lucky enough that that it just kind of keeps coming? Well, I I don't. To be honest with you, I don't I don't have a good perception of the industry because when I hit Toronto, my feet were just running. I was just sort of bouncing from commercial to commercial to, you know, I, I was in Montreal, I was here, I was shooting Splinter Cell. I, you know, I really, that's what I consider to be an average year. <laughs> but, you know, also, obviously, though, I, I've heard stories of, you know, actors that go months and months and months and months and months and months, possibly even a year or two years without a gig at all. Um, so, you know, I, I haven't experienced that and it's not to say that I, that I won't, I really sincerely hope that I don't, but I am, you know, I'm also one of the people that just doesn't sit around and wait for someone to hire me. So, so you're, you're ready for anything. I'm ready Take for anything. Me, I will do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I'm, I'm trained. Like I went in, in a slow time, I went and got my weapons training so I could, you know, so I was ready, you know, to shoot. I could use that gun. I could shoot a, a rifle. I could do this. I could do that. Um, and also, I just create my own work and and put my own stuff out there, just so that I'm always feeling, you know, like a productive member of society. You can do that when you're trained with weapons. Good yeah, you can. <laughs> there's I know. not a whole lot you can't do. Does she belong but... here? She's armed. She's here. You know, it's, like... <laughs> it's so funny because I'm like the opposite of that. I'm so against, you know, violence and all that stuff. But it, I thought, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I keep getting brought in for cop roles, so it's. It's going to give me a little edge if I actually know how to not, you know, how to safely use a, a weapon or hold, at least hold a weapon. Um, you know, it's appalling sometimes when you see people on television holding weapons and you're like that. That that's a, you're going to pinch your fingers. That's terrible. That's not real. That's not real. Hey, everyone, that's not real. And then of course, my, <laughs> they yeah, three out of the theater. Yeah, <laughs> I stand up in the middle of the movie theater. Um, just so you know, guys, that's not how you hold it. Uh, just so, yeah. but my dad too being this is, ex- this is not accurate, eh? This is not. That's my <laughs> that's my angry angry Canadian. That's yeah, it. being that's a real arts, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's uh, I don't. I don't know. I won't. I won't. You know, obviously, there's been a couple of months that I've gone a couple of months between jobs and things like that, and and I, you know, it's hard because you start thinking, oh, oh, did I say something wrong? Did I, you know, make some stupid joke in <laughs> in an interview somewhere along the line that someone read, and now they don't like me? You know, like there's that insecurity that comes. It starts to creep in, and then you just sort of have to punch it in the nose and say, you know, bugger off, I've got work to do, and then you out you go, start making stuff, you know. So that's the. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, now, I, I've got to ask a, a quick question. Uh, a couple of years ago, you did a movie. I'm looking at your IMDb page right now. Yeah. Uh, a movie called Metal Tornado. Is that <laughs> yeah. like Sharknado with metal? <laughs> metal Tornado? <laughs> that was such a, such a strange experience, but so fun, you know. Because um, I had no idea what, what a Metal Tornado was until I saw the movie. And... Um, <laughs> So no, hundred percent accurate. <laughs> it's like big blue, um, glowing uh, tornado that that sucks up all the metal. Like it's basically like magnetic, and it and it everything that's that's metal is is sort of like sucked up into its its doom as it 
you know, crosses the United States. And, you know, I was, uh, <laughs> I was, I was a science, I was a professor's sidekick. So I was, you know, talking to him about lodestone and all that stuff, you know, and how it was, you know, anyways, that, but so is it a Sharknado? Uh, no, okay. not a Sharknado. <laughs> did you guys, right. see, did you see Sharknado? I have not. My neither. roommate raves about it. <laughs> I I would be uh, I Ian. What's his name? Ian. I Ian. Ian. Ian Zeering. That's right. My wife is yelling at me. Ian Zeering. He was. I heard her. He was the star. He was replaying his his role from Nine Hundred Two One Zero, um, and apparently uh, cutting sharks in half with a chainsaw. She said that was completely from inside the shark, not just outside the shark, from inside the shark, cutting his way out with a chainsaw. How do you start the chainsaw when you're inside a shark? I think I mean, there's if, no I remember, if I remember correctly, the chainsaw was already started. The shark was flying towards him, and he simply leapt through the mouth and aimed the chainsaw and cut as he went. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, was, oh, I haven't was, seen that. He was yet. channeling Goku to. as inspiration for that. So, you know, just blow up from the inside. So Ian was this? Well, I don't know if it's Ian or Ian. I heard it was Ian, but he—it's he, Ian. He says it's Ian. It's so actually he's the Ian, one that, that. Yeah, <laughs> he's the one who actually sawed or chainsawed um, a shark. Yes, it was him. It was him. Wow. I'm sure it was him. I, and it was a real shark. It had to be. I mean, you can't put fake stuff like that up on sci-fi. <laughs> No, you definitely, definitely not, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And then they, then they blew up the tornadoes with bombs. So yes. it's, it's, it's science. This is the way things work. Uh, <laughs> that's the way, uh, you know, that's, that's how you solve problems. If you know, all, I, all else fails, call a drone strike. You know? I don't, yeah, that's exactly. The, that's the solution <laughs> to any sort of warped tornado presence in the world, you know. Yeah, drones? <laughs> yeah, oh, send them in. <laughs> well, that's how Metal Tornado ended up, you know, Ceasing existence was they were drones. I remember that scene. Oh, I think I think I see something, you know. <laughs> and it was drones in the air. It was amazing. But you know the cast is amazing, and I have to put a. I have to you know make sure that it doesn't come off that I'm making fun of it because it, it you know it was a job and it was a very fun job and the the whole you know. I'm being so polite right now, aren't I? I'm being. This is this is the Canada coming out. That's, that's, um, that's it. But you know, but no, but at the same time, like I completely get that because I you I can't believe for an instant that somebody goes into something like Sharknado with the most serious of outlooks. Like you know, you guys kind of have to band together as a group and say, "All right, listen, you know, we're going to do this because we're the only ones that are going to make this concept work." <laughs> If, if we true. can't sell a Sharknado, <laughs> no this one else falls can. Apart. Yeah. Do you think that Ian learned some of his moves from when he was dancing? Like, because if he had to like, like maneuver himself into the shark with the chainsaw, that would probably take some like really smooth sort of maneuvering of his body. And I heard he was a dancer, so maybe he got you know training in his in his days as a dancer. I, hey, absolutely. You know. I. Yeah, I yeah. would. To think any training I could get for preparing myself to go inside of a shark, I would absolutely take. Oh my gosh, where is this conversation going? <laughs> it's going everywhere. It's yeah. going everywhere. Uh, that's right. Wow, I, I feel like I could be at the pub with you guys. It's, it's, not, it's very fun. Uh, to our listeners, we do have a list of questions. 
Uh, we're just not going down them very quickly. We've we've gone through three so far. Just oh. just so you know. We're coming up. Metal Tornado was not in our initial no, was not in our initial jumper when we were told we had to have, you know, like brown M and M's prepared and all that. <laughs> we didn't know that was coming. Brown M and M's. Yeah, it was, it was, I think that was a Van Hel- uh, Van Helsing. A Van Halen thing <laughs> that they needed uh they put it in their they're like their their pre show writer and they did it as kind of a test to make sure that whoever you know, whoever was reading it was paying attention. But oh. they only wanted brown M and M's. Wow. Yeah. You, know, so you, I, got, you guys did read the really small print that says, make sure you ask her about Metal Tornado. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that was actually just luck, um, yeah. unfortunately. So, no, I, I don't read anything I'm given. Uh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> so, All right, so, back to an actual question. Um, let's go. It, it's, is there any type of role that you prefer over others? Um, so you're being tapped for a lot of cop roles. Is there something that I mean? Is that obviously work is cool, um, but is there one that you're like, oh man, I, I really like these. You know, I love the roles that are the strong, smart women. You know, um, and 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 I like the physical roles. You know, my dream role would be to be um, some sort of female action hero. You know, where she's jumping over things and diving under cars and climbing walls and yeah the, the princess know, who rescues herself jumping out of planes yeah so it's, it's confirmed you're um in the the reboot of underworld obviously <laughs> see <laughs> any movie like that is just right up my alley because i'm such a jock you know like i i i just grew up just being active and playing so many sports and you know anything i could do i would you know try it and um so that, I mean, those are my dream roles, are to have those sort of, you know, kick-ass woman roles. But on the other hand, I, I really love telling the stories of women who are sort of on the brink, you know, that are re- dealing with real heartbreak, real uh, vulnerabilities. I, I, I like going to that place in my work as well. So, um you know, in 20 years from now, when I have a big, huge, you know, crazy 25 kabazillion page uh, resume, um, I'll probably be able to say, oh, I liked those roles better than these roles. But I, I find right now all of them I'm just so excited to sink my teeth into. Um, I'm watching Homeland right now, and I'm in love with Claire Danes. Like, I just love that role because it's so, you know, she's so messed up, and but she's smart and and, you know, I, I like that kind of interesting character, you know, that's got a few different things going on. It's not just the, hi, I'm here to arrest you. Um, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the one that's got the, the story going on, you know, the, the humanity. I like, I like characters that really shine a light on our humanity in, in any, any way, you know. Um, yeah. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> um, outside outside of acting, do you have anything else you're working on? Um, I have notes apparently in front of me that say something about a cookbook and a some cookbook? sort of kids sports in Ontario. Oh my gosh, a cookbook! So you no, I cookbook? don't. I don't. No, God, oh, okay. no. I'm oh, like, I, oh, okay. Okay, so here's Jonathan. What are you doing to me, man? I thought no I got cookbook. that. <laughs> There's no cookbook, but you're close. I have. Okay, to... okay so when it was really slow last year, or the year before. Um, when I first moved to Toronto, I, you know, 
decided I was going to film myself <laughs> making fudge, chocolate fudge. And um, oh. I know it's, you know, and I, and I really wanted to learn how to edit a movie because I have, you know, dreams as I'm sure many actors do of producing their own uh, films uh, down the road. And uh, so I thought, oh, I got a new computer. I got my new MacBook. I'm going to learn how to edit on iMovie. So I need something to film. So, hey, it's Saturday night. I'm home alone. There's nothing to do. I'm a big loser. Let's make fudge and film it. So I um, filmed it, edited it. Um, things were ha- – it, it, it failed miserably. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> the fudge or the movie? The fudge. Oh. The fudge. See, and so – this was the birth of my series of my cooking show, which is called a jocks guide cooking series. Um, so I was close. There's just something messed up in my head in the translation of typing it down as a question. So that's okay. That's okay. You are, you're now your punishment. You're, you know, your, 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 whatever you call it, your penalty. <laughs> you have to go and watch episodes of a jocks guide. Um, well, but you know, it, it ended up being, um, it ended up being a lot of fun. Someone, you know, a friend got a hold of it. I sh- well, I showed her, I said, Hey, look at this. So I made a little video and, and she's like, this is actually really funny. You should try, you know, making one a little shorter. And, uh, you know, and, um, so, how, how long was a, gu- a jock's guide to fudge? <laughs> it was, a jock's guide to fudge was nine minutes, but you know, like, I, because I like, I like editing things really in a really snappy, funny kind of fun way. And, and, you know, it's always a blessing when things go wrong in the kitchen because I wanted to show what cooking actually looks like, not what it, you know, looks like when you're Martha Stewart or I don't know if she cooks anymore, but, you know, the, the people that know what they're talking about. Um, and Julie so and, Child made a career out of things going wrong. Oh, see, and that's, I like that. I, I relate to that way more than I relate to, you know, perfect Miss Perfectson on the cooking channel who, you know. Um, so I, you know, it's like I had chocolate blow up in my face in one of my episodes and it ruined my computer and uh you know but it was really funny you know I was kind of like oh I'm this is kind of a blessing in disguise that it went wrong but I never plan anything and uh but the recipes are all posted on my site and I ended up getting a lot of traffic so I thought I want to partner up with a charity because I'm not making any money off this it's purely for pleasure my own you know satisfaction and joy of whatever being silly and myself um and uh so I wanted to partner up with uh, something that was close to my heart, which is uh, kids and sports. And so Kidsport is just, uh, it's just an organization that um, it, it pays for kids who can't afford to play organized sports. So any kids who, you know, whose families can't afford to put them in hockey or soccer or anything like that, it, kids, they can apply to Kidsport and Kidsport will, will fund them. And, uh, and I think that's so important because, you know, sports are so important for kids in their development, you know, physically, socially, everything. So, um, so yeah, I partnered with them and, uh, I, any, you know, I have incentives and things like that. So I've raised, I think about $2,000 for the organization. So it's been fun. Yeah. What, it's is, really... what is your, uh, what's your sport du jour? Uh, my sport du jour is volleyball. I, I play beach volleyball, um, women's twos, and um, and I play indoor volleyball, women's sixes. So um, You guys have beaches in Canada? We do. My whole perception is blown. Oh, my we goodness. We do. And it's really sexy because we play in parkas, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and snow pants. Um, no, it's... it's uh, that picture have... is amazing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sorry. That is, that is fantastic. 
Yeah, it's really hot, isn't it? <laughs> um, it's uh, we have we literally yeah we have we have some. <laughs> so true, so true. Yeah. So that's my that's my sport du jour, and then you know I mountain bike and a variety of other things. So yeah, whatever I can do, I do it. I I uh, I just did rock climbing for you know a two week stint at an indoor climbing gym, and that was fun, bouldering and all that stuff, and you know falling and <laughs> scraping myself, and you know. But that's that's the jock in me. That's the boy in me coming out. I'm a, I'm a tomboy, so. But now, obviously, you're ready for any movie that asks you to rock climb. So, yeah, if they if they don't need me to go higher than four feet off the ground, I am golden. <laughs> <laughs> Anything above that, I mean, it doesn't. It's not pretty. It's really not pretty. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's the that's the the rundown on the sports. So, so uh, Splinter Cell is this is this your first time voicing a video game your first video game character it is it's my first video game character yep and uh yeah what what a an experience it's been it's been incredible um you know i've been playing video games since i was eight basically actually you know what i say eight but i think it was earlier because i had a coleco vision and i used to play smurf and you know did you guys have coleco visions in the states we did i've never played one but we did is it because you're too young for ColecoVision? Um, no, no, I, I just never had a ColecoVision. My uh, my grandparents had an Atari. Oh, yeah. One. And then uh, and then my my first console uh, as a child was a Nintendo. So that's oh, kind of where yeah. I started. Yeah, see, Nintendo was those are my my formative years, and they changed me. I you know spent I don't know how many hours playing you know Super Mario Brothers and um, Zelda and trying to figure out that pattern in the graveyard, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I had played, I've been involved with games, you know, obviously breaks here and there, you know, through my life um, when I didn't have a console anymore. But um, when I auditioned for, when I was called into audition for Anna Grimm's daughter for an undisclosed project, I just about, you know, <laughs> lost Did they give you my... the character name and also tell you that... Undisclosed? We're, we're not, not going to tell you what game this is. It was undisclosed. <laughs> and see, I, and I'm telling you, though, I think, I think a lot of girls would have looked, looked at that and thought, not known who she was. And just thought, ah, well, you know. But I knew, I knew who she was. Even though I hadn't played the Splinter Cell series, I knew who Anna Grimm's daughter was. So I, you know, just about, you know, lost my cookies when I saw that and then um, worked, worked so hard on that one to, to be prepared for that audition. And then over a series of callbacks and chemistry reads with other actors and stuff like that, I, I booked the role. And I, I just, I remember, I remember when I got the call, I was, I was sitting in my truck after a, yeah, I have a truck. You see another reason I'm like a tomboy. Um, I, um, I was sitting in my truck after a voice gig and I got the call from my agent saying you know well your congratulations and I just I cried on the spot like I just I just wept it was crazy I felt like a crazy person but I was so I was so excited and and uh had no idea what was in store and man what a what a difference you know it, it's such a it's such a unique experience for an actor to be involved in the video gaming world especially with performance capture which is different than what it used to be, which was motion capture, you know, you'd have one actor come in and do the motion and then you'd have either 
the same actor or a different actor, most often a different actor, go into the sound booth and try to match a voice and sounds with the motion, the, the movement of the character they were watching. And there's a bit of a disconnect, right? You know, you don't, you can't, you know, there's only so much you can do in the sound booth, you know, jumping up and down and, oh, oh, I like all your sounds. Um, Elias Tufexis wrote a really funny article about that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's uh, performance capture is just so great because, um, you, you know, you get to act. You get to do what you're, what you love to do, which is, you know, interact with the other actors as if you're on a regular movie set. Um, the only difference is you're wearing, you know, skin tight cat suits um, and um, these head mounted cages on your head um, with these cameras <laughs> shining in your face, you know. And it's if if you've ever seen any of the behind the scenes footage for Avatar or even Ubisoft has it for their performance uh, capture studio, they've got some really cool videos that show what it looks like. It takes some real getting used to. And I mean, you you just as soon as you walk on set, you throw the motion capture suit on. You know, you get all these reflective markers thrown on your on your suit. You know, how, how long does that take? It 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 takes probably from start to finish by the time you you get into the suit to the time you're saying your first word on set probably an hour and a bit okay because you you've got to do something what's called rom in which is like your range of motion and you have to go and stand in the middle of the volume which is the space where mm-hmm. we act and you have to do all these sort of motions with your legs like leg out to the side leg up bend squat you know they got to make sure they're picking up your whole body they have to make sure that, you know, your hand is not, the marker for your hand is not coming out of, you know, your back. <laughs> you know, or you're not. It's on her knee, Bob. It's on her knee. <laughs> it's so funny when that happens, though. You're like, why am I, why am I facing backwards? And my, yeah, I have a, I have a knee on my elbow. That's great. Why did anybody yeah. tell me my ass was this big? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So true, though, right? Like, it's just, so they do all that stuff, and then uh, and then we just get on a set and do our do our work, and it's just so amazing because especially with the storyline with Splinter Cell, um, Blacklist, it's just so intense, and you know the the your heart rate is up all the time, and you know trying to like the stakes are high, the 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 situations are are at a at a critical level, and you just have to go, and as the core group of actors in the game are just so I mean I'm speaking for you know Eric Johnson and David Real and um, Dwayne Murphy who play the other members of fourth echelon are just wildly talented guys and so you throw the four of us together and, and you know it's just it's it was just amazing it was just great chemistry between the four of us and um, I think we really accomplished um, you know, bringing a, bringing a, a um, reality to the story, you know, which I think gamers are going to love because, you know, I think gamers are going to get really, really, the fans of Splinter Cell are going to get really drawn into uh, the story because it's believable. It's, 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 you know, ripped right out of today's headlines. And, um, you know, it's just sort of this hyper-realistic situation that's happening. And, you know, not to mention that it's not just ob- objectives. It's there's actually, you know, they're going to, they're going to be, sort of connecting with the characters along the way as well. So, um, yeah, it was just, just blew my mind, you know, this whole experience. When, 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 so when they told you that you were going to be Anne, um, or, or Anna, when, when 
when they were like, hey, you're Grimm. Um, yeah. Did you have to kind of go back through all the rest of the stuff that, that Grimm's done? Or did they give you kind of like a primer that says, hey, this is who she is, you know, bring what you can to it? Yeah, I mean, it, there's a challenge in playing a character that's established as as much as Grimm is because, um, you know, obviously a lot of actors um, and and creative members of the team have put a lot of uh, put a lot into her character over the the years, and 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 the fans love her for a certain reason. So you can't just come in and sort of reinvent her, um, and nor it would just just wouldn't work. You know, it just wouldn't work either. Um, but what I did do is I went back and, um, you know, researched her and the type of woman that she is. And, you know, it's funny. She doesn't, she doesn't, um, fall as, 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 you know, quirky as I am. Um, we have some very, very strong similar similarities that you just can't, you can't make it up. You know, it's just, you are who you are. And sometimes those characters that you, you play the best are the ones that are so close to who you are as a person in your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but Ubisoft got, kind of gave me the grim manual. Um, you know, this is sort of the character that, that she is, um, you know, these are her relationships and, and then, and then from there you, you know, you read it, you digest it, you, you let it sink in and then you just go and do your work and you hope that, you know, obviously you want to bring your own flavor to her and, and that happens naturally, right? You know, my, my, my playing of Grimm will possibly read different than the past playings of Grimm. Um, but you know, her, her, the, the, the integrity of her is still very much the same. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the challenge is sort of finding the balance of, you know, you don't want to, um, copy a character that someone else has done, but you also don't want to change it. You want to honor, you know, what people have loved so much about her through the series. So it was, it was, it was pretty fun. But I think in, when they were auditioning women, they could tell who was just naturally like Grimm Mm -hmm. and who, and, you know, and I think that's sort of a, a, that comes down to casting as well. So. Very cool. Uh, Now you mentioned that you got the, uh, the Grimm Bible. Uh, Is there anything that you can tell us about Anna Grimm's daughter that, you know, not necessarily, not a spoiler from the new game, obviously, because that's coming out in just a couple (laughs) of weeks. Uh, Yeah. Something that, uh, that people might not know about. Oh, dear. Uh, What can I say? What can I say? What can I say? You know, I think here's here's okay. (laughs) It's so funny. I'm like, what can I say? That's not I'm not going to get fired for. (laughs) I guess it's it's too late to get fired. That's right. The voice is in there already. They can't do nothing. Yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, just kidding. Yeah, they're going just... to not hire you again. Please don't say anything like that. <laughs> I know. Um, dear Ubisoft, I am com- as a side note, I am completely joking, and I love you, and I love you know everything about you, and I bow down to you. Uh, okay, so back to the interview. Um, you know, I think that, that fans are going to get to know Grimm better in this series, in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because there's there's such a narrative component to the game, um, such a strong story element. Um, you know, we really get we really get to see how the characters blend and grow and interact with each other, their relationships. So, as much as we know about the Grim and Sam relationship, especially through conviction, there's 
you know, I think what Blacklist does is it takes it to another level of, of sort of reality and authenticity with their relationships. So I think, I think fans will just get to know her better. They'll, they'll, they'll get to know all of the characters. Well, obviously with the new characters, but they'll get to know, you know, the Sam Grimm relationship. They'll get to see it sort of unfold and how it changes over the, over the time of, of the game of Blacklist. Because the content, the amount of content in Blacklist is massive. It's an enormous game. Um, so, you know, I think because there was such a strong focus on the acting and the, the reality of our work, um, I think that that's, that's going to be a nice, a nice thing, thing for fans to, to see. You know, I re- our, our director, David Footman, I remember this thinking, you know, you don't, thinking that I didn't fully understand how much my work as an actor translated to my animation until, you know, we'd be working on something and David would say, no, go again, go again. It's not reading truthful. It's not, it's not, this is going on and this is going on. And he would throw himself into the ring to get us you know, into the spot emotionally where we needed to be for the scene because, you know, there's nothing around you. You have no props. You have no sound effects. You you don't even know what you're looking at. You're looking at like a chicken wire table. And, you know, and so he was really so clear uh, in, in his direction that, you know, he was able to sort of give us the, the, um, the details that made everything that much more, you know, authentic uh, to the situation, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think, I think that's, I think that's what people are going to learn about Grimm. I think they'll just learn about Grimm, <laughs> you know. Because uh, up until this point, she's always been more of a, just a voice kind of in the background. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. hearing that you got to put on a suit and actually do stuff, that, that's kind of exciting. It's so is this the Is this the first Splinter Cell to use that kind of, the motion stuff? It's the first Splinter Cell to use performance capture technology. So what that and what that does is um, just for any of the listeners um, who don't know, it takes your voice, your motion, uh, and uh, face capture, and it syncs all the data simultaneously in real time. So I could be standing in the volume and waving, or doing a cartwheel, or picking my nose, <laughs> and my animation would be doing the exact same thing at the exact same time. So it translates perfectly. You know, it's a simultaneous translation onto our animation, which um, is different than the motion capture that later on gets synced with a voice. And then an animator goes in and has to, you know, spend painless hours of, you know, or, or um, a painful amount of I was going to say, I'm hours. sure they're not all painless. <laughs> painful, painful amount of hours, um, you know, making sure that the, the face sort of looked like it was accurately reflecting the emotion of the voice and the emotion. And, you know, it was just sort of more, um, there was, like I said earlier, a little bit more room for disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this way, you know, it just, it was all sort of synced, at, it was all synced in real time, which, which makes again, which makes Blacklist, I think, just a, a whole new level of game. So. so um, what have, I mean, obviously you've been set on being grim for, for a while now. Uh, what have kind of been some of the fans' reactions been? Because the <laughs> previous Grimm was the, the same lady uh, for most of the games, except for Pandora Tomorrow, which was the second one. And right. that, was, that was bad. And so they, they, went, they went back. Jonathan has played and loved all these games. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, um, for the most well, part. Cla- it was uh. Claudia. It was, it was Claudia Besso that was the mm-hmm. voice. Right. And, um, 
you know, here there's there's always a reaction um, to change, right? Um, you know, as you know, any change in an established character is very hard for people to accept. Some people embrace it, some people reject it, regardless of if they even have an informed opinion. You know, um, at the point, and I'm I'm speaking from experience because you know when I heard they were changing James Bond yet again, I was furious and no, no, and yet you know Daniel Craig is my favorite James Bond ever. It's been but awesome. I, you know, and, and, and granted, people have spent hours investing in these characters and these voices as well. So I, I can understand, um, you know, there's been a few. I try not to go online too much and, and, and you know, stalk my, myself or Grim and find out <laughs> what people are saying. But sometimes the curiosity gets the better of me and Absolutely. I go out there. But sometimes I've been sort of mortified by what I've read and sometimes I've been really excited. And so... Um, some of the some of the fans are are not they don't like it they don't like that there's a new Grim they don't like that there's a new Sam and some fans are warming up to it they love it you know I've had a lot of great support um, through Twitter and forums and on Facebook um, of people who you know are <laughs> you know they're hashtagging Team KD which is really cute you know and um, <laughs> and you have your own team it's so cute. It's so cute, Team Katie. I was like, oh my god, I love that. It's like a dream come true, um, you know. But it's um, it's 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 it'll it'll be a tell. Well, I guess we'll tell for sure, you know, when the game's released and people have actually had a chance to get past the initial sort of shock in the the trailers and just sort of based on what they're seeing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully, you know. What what do they say about press? Any 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 opinion is good is a good opinion or something. If they're not talking about you, then that's when you should be worried or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, any press is good press. Yep. Any press is good press. So um, you know, I hope I hope that the fans the fans I hope that the fans know that regardless of who is voicing these characters and 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 doing the performance capture for these characters, the group of actors that are involved in Splinter Cell are so freaking devoted to this story and this game that I, you know, I, it blows my mind how, um, you know, how much we are standing up for the project, you know, because it's just been such an incredible experience for all of us. We've, it's all of our first games, you know, mm-hmm. it's it, the four of us, it's our first video game. And, you know, the, we've basically grown up together in this in this game with with, you know, with Max and, and David and the whole team behind us and supporting us in our work. And uh, so, you know, um, I just I just think that, you know, when when you're working with that sort of intention of just doing the best work that you possibly know how to do um, in honoring the story, you know, that's all you can ask for. And if, if fans love it, great. If they don't, I, you know, I, I, that's the industry. It was Eric's fault, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll blame, yes, I'll blame Eric. Uh, yeah. I, I have to say as a, as a fan, as somebody that's been playing these games for 10 years, the, Eric Johnson is is I still am not completely sold on it because you know Michael Ironside. Well, I mean, obviously, I know he can't do the performance capture, uh, yeah. but it's yeah. I watched Smallville, and Eric Johnson was in that, and he was a football player in high school, and I just uh, my brain cannot make that leap. I, I'll have to play the games to to actually you know see it because right now I just don't know. <laughs> right now, you're not sold. 
I, um, I'm not. You know, Eric, I'm going to tell you right now, and it's, it's, it, it, yeah, it comes off as completely biased, but Eric is one of the most professional and prepared actors that I've ever worked with. He is, he brings an incredible amount of training and um, work ethic uh, and, and just, I don't know what the word is, chutzpah? I, don't, I think there's a word that is That's... kind of like the... Is that the right word, or did I just that's, say? Yeah. No, absolutely. That's that's Yiddish for whatever it's Yiddish for. That's good. Yeah, that, that, that means what it means. <laughs> wow, I just spoke Yiddish. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. you good. Put that on my resume. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you're actually um, completely right. I just looked it up on Wikipedia, if that's to be believed. Good job. How did you spell that I, to look it up? I, I spelled it phonetically. H o o t s p a. Isn't like chutzpa? Like yes, it is C H U T Z P A H. Chutzpah. Oh, so I didn't. I, it has a C at the beginning. It does. Chutzpah. Oh, I thought it no, was. It's, it, it 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 is. Um, it's, it's Yiddish, so it's chutzpah. 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 Gotta get that sounds flim like in there. It's yeah, chutzpah. it sounds like they're gonna do something gross. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I felt like that for uh, a second. <laughs> anyways, let's stop talking about Flem and let's go back to to Eric Please, Johnson. That's, that's um, a great idea. <laughs> no, he's you know he he has uh, he's done a remarkable job with Sam Fisher and uh, and that's that is a big challenge for him to step into those to those boots and he's done so as a complete professional and uh, you know it's 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 uh, it was great working with him so you know I I just again we'll see we'll see how we'll see how it goes i just know that uh for all intents and purposes of blacklist he was a perfect sam fisher so very cool uh now yeah. uh this this question is going to take a, a minute to actually ask first up okay. the groundwork um in the uh commentary and the uh, like special features of the original superman movie uh, they were interviewing Margot Kidder, and she was talking about how they were doing this scene where Christopher Reeve was, you know, he's in his Superman getup, and something fell on the set, and he goes running up to catch it, uh, as if he was really Superman. <laughs> Did you ever get a moment like that with Eric Johnson where you're like, yeah, he's he's Sam Fisher? All the time. All the time. Um, Eric and I... Our relationship in life is very similar to our relationship uh, as Sam and Grimm. We are very much brother-sister. You know, there's a lot of bickering. There's a lot of one-up, um, one-upmanship that, you know, happens on the set. But all in good fun, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, you know, that sort of... It wasn't like, oh, God, it's Eric. I can't stand him. I have to walk away. <laughs> it wasn't that. But it was just he... You know, he would often be just the same, you know, as uh, with me as before rolling, as after rolling, as during rolling. Um, so, yeah, he he and he's got sort of that that attitude, that that air about him, you know, that very kind of cool, um, calculated. Everything's figuring. He's got everything going on inside. He's figuring everything out. He's got it, you know all the cylinders are firing and I spent a lot of time. I remember a lot of time over the last year and a half, just sort of looking at him and thinking, I don't have a clue what is going on inside your brain right now, but I know it's probably smart and it's probably really funny, but I have no clue how to read you right now. And, um, so, you know, the the chemistry between us on set, it comes by, it it happens very organically, (laughs) you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, did he 
ever, you know, <laughs> do Sam Fisher moves and stuff in his real life? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. Probably not for other people to see, but I know if I was playing Sam Fisher, I would. So I'm just going to go ahead and say yes, and we'll move on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I know he threw the Sam Fisher suit on uh, on one day that we had, and he was just like, there was no stopping him. He was, he, he, Eric had left the building and Sam That's Fisher was, me. yeah, it was there. So. <laughs> Um, so on to some of like the, the more gamey stuff, we've actually got a, a listener question from, uh, Chris Hunter and he was wanting to know if, uh, if Sam can do side missions for Grimm. Okay. Um, yes, there are side missions that Sam gets a chance to do in the game. Um, and he can, um, he can do side, get side missions from Grimm, from Coben, from Charlie, from Briggs. And, uh, and yeah, and, you know, through, through doing those, he can collect money and experience points and upgrade and, and stuff like that. So yes, that is my final answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as, as far as the, the previous games went, uh, I mean, in the, the first couple of ones, Grim was basically just a voice in your ear in conviction. Uh, she was somebody that you could interact with, but it was still very limited. It was still kind of like in cutscenes. Uh, yep. Does Sam get to interact with Grimm in any other ways, bigger kind of gameplay-wise? Uh, I like how you snuck that gameplay-wise in there at the last second. Oh, um, I'm, I'm sneaky. You were, you're sneaky like that, aren't you? I, I can, you've got those shifty eyes. I can tell by your <laughs> still shot. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of interaction between Sam and Grimm that happens outside of, you know, Grimm being the voice in his ear when he's out on the field. Um, like, you know, this, this the amount of story uh, and interaction between the characters in Blacklist is immense. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of situations where Sam and Grimm are actually interacting and involved in something. So, um, you know, yeah. That's that's all I can say about that one. Oh my gosh, I feel like such a little devil. Like I have a secret, and ha, I have a secret, and I can't tell you. The you know? devious smile. So I am. I'm just, I'm like a total little brat right now. Um, but uh, yeah, so she's she's very. Let's just say she's very involved. Um, so you know, but so are Charlie Cole and Isaac Briggs. Okay. Yeah, but he is definitely Sam Fisher is still sort of the the leader of the pack. Okay, yeah, yeah that, that's actually was going to be my next question. In, in previous games, Sam Fisher is taking orders from Grimm because she's technically over him. He's the, the grunt. But now he's the head of 4th Echelon. So how does how does that work? Well, because Sam, Sam... Okay, Grimm and Sam want the same thing, you know, which is to obviously stop the blacklist. And... Um, the way they go about it is very is often very different. So you know, Sam is very instinctual and and animalistic in his choices sometimes, and Grimm is more calculated. Of you know, this this needs to happen, and so she's very vocal. This yes, you're right. You can do this. No, you're wrong. I have a big objection to this. Um, so there's Would it always be fair sort of to say that Grimm kind of has more of a she could see the forest from the trees while Sam is in the trees. I think she likes to think so. 
Um, now whether or not her opinions always, you know, pan out, um, is another story, but you know, ultimately they've, they've been chosen to, to work together, you know, as, 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 uh, symbiotically as possible, if you (laughs) to throw in a science word, um, uh, you know, to, to do what has been asked of them. And so, you know, bringing the history of their characters into the game, um, and how they're, you know, they're just their natural relationship with each other, which is often like, you know, two rams, you know, butting heads and, and having disagreement, but they, but underlying thing is that they, they both want the same thing. They're both aiming for the same thing. And, and it's really, it's a really cool thing how their, how their relationship, uh, evolves over the course of the game. All right. Good to know. <laughs> uh, and crickets. <laughs> uh, well, I just the, the next question that I, I have is, is kind of a little more, uh, well, not serious, because that was a serious question, but just, um, I don't know, heavy. Um, you know, video game industry uh, gets a lot of criticism for its objectification of women, both in the, the content of video games and then also the way a lot of people that play video games react to the content of video games. Yeah. Uh, and I was just wanting to get kind of your reaction on that and have you experienced that sort of thing, uh, both on the creative side and or on the from the, the fans? Um, you know, I... I feel like there's a there's a shift happening in the industry where you know women have have are kind of make are sort of the the evolution of the of the female character in video games has gone from being you know the damsel in distress and the you know the the victim to to being more of a leading lady protagonist um, strong smart powerful you know Commander Shepard is a perfect example of this. Um, I think that, you know, I'm looking forward to a time when we don't have, when this, this isn't a topic because, mm-hmm. you know, it won't be an issue. There won't be, this is, this is, I feel like, um, you know, we're, as a society, we're, we're sort of traveling this, <laughs> this wave of, of issues in, in the gaming industry. But the, I feel like there's a shift happening. I, I really do. I feel like, um, you know, there's a shift women i think in the gaming industry are not just being used uh to appeal to the male gamers like i feel like you know when you can actually choose the gender of your protagonist and you know and they can be a woman um i think that's a great a great thing that's happening um now as far as like the objectification of women and and um you know the sexification of women um i feel like that's shifting as well um i haven't personally had that experience um with with it in uh the video gaming industry and i think by nature of the character that i'm playing as well you know Mm -hmm. she's very she's just a very intelligent uh powerful leading lady for lack of a better word um you know so and and also in in television and film um i haven't i haven't come across that either but i have heard of it happening and you know i'll I'll continue to sort of stand up for women as, you know, being leaders and, and strong role models in entertainment as, as long as I'm in the the business and, and obviously beyond. But, um, yeah, that's, that's sort of my, my feeling on it. Um, do I like 
do I like the notion of women, you know, scantily dressed, running around, you know, extra large extremities and <laughs> not particularly. I mean, I, no woman likes to feel like they're they're being dumbed down, mm-hmm. you know. But on the other hand, you know, men are also sort of objectified in video games. You know, when the average, you know, the average man in in a video game has, you know, what did I forget? I read this somewhere. It was something like their their chests are also are you know like six inches larger, and their waists are bigger, and their you know their hips are wider. Like they 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 change what a man typically looks like in the video gaming industry in the video game as well, right? Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I mean, it's, this yeah. crazy ideal of you know eighteen yeah. packs of abs. And, oh, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I mean, it makes you, it would make you feel bad if you're sitting in your chair and you're, you know, not, you know, not feeling particularly nice about yourself that particular day. I, I mean, I, I try not to look down while we're playing <laughs> games like that. So, personally, only to only to reach for the chips, right? Like that. that that's <laughs> right. Yeah, if I can, if I can just lay chips on top of myself while I'm playing, it covers that area, yeah, so I yeah. don't have to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, that's that's my my thought on it. I mean, um, I, I'm not going to jump on on onto this, you know, rant of of how, you know, women, you know, the injustices of the female gender. And I'm not I'm also not going to sit by and not have an opinion about it. I just feel like this is something that is it is starting to shift. And um, and, and I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited to continue to play women who are, um, you know, um strong protagonists in in the gaming industry and in in television and film as well you know um which is which is becoming more and more common so women aren't standing standing by and just you know accepting this sort of submissive um victim role anymore and uh and so i think you know it'll 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 be a long process but i think it's starting to happen you know that's that's definitely a you know good thing to hear uh one thing that i was kind of curious about because i don't I don't keep up with the the film and TV industry much at all. I, I find like one television show and I'll watch that and I'll maybe go see a movie or two a year. Uh, but for the most part, video games is very much my hobby. Um, yeah. And you said that you hadn't experienced it in film um, or TV so far, but do you hear about it um, kind of to the same degree or is it is it less of an issue in filmed and TV in your experience? I don't, you know what? I don't think it is less of an issue, sadly. I think that it probably is very prevalent um, Mm. where women are being asked to play, you know, these types of of roles where, you know, it's purely for, you know, this objectification. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's pure, like I've turned down roles, put it that way. I've I've turned down roles where I've been asked, I've been called in, um, you know, I've been approached, will you read for this role? And I read it and it's about a woman who has absolutely, the only reason she's in the story is for that shock value. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's, those aren't the women I want to portray. And, and I think that, you know, um, yes, do they make stories funny? Yeah, sometimes if that's your thing, it's not particularly my thing and they're not particularly the stories I want to tell, mm-hmm. um, you know, am I against, you know, if there was an actual storyline, you know, where there was a woman who sort of had this quality, but then it, there was some sort of redemption, you know, I'd be open to that more so than just, you know, Hey, I'm here just to look, you know, provide some sort of, you know, 
party for the men in the audience. Like that's not, that's not, that's not something I want to do. Um, you know, I read, I read a, a, an interview, um, with um, some of the leading lady heavy hitters right now in Hollywood um, that when they were at Comic-Con and they were talking about, you know, um, sort of the gender discrimination in, in Hollywood and in, and in their pasts and how they've been mistreated on sets and stuff because of, and, or treated like they didn't have an opinion mm-hmm. um, because of them being female. And, and, you know, and, it, it was it floored me because I've been so blessed that I've I've not come across that um, you know so I I just think that as long as we we have you know these great women in our industry who are continuing to create work for themselves um, you know not wait around for you know someone to call them um, I think we're gonna see you know, more shifts in, in, in that as well in the television and film industry. So I'm excited. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, um, I'm producing a show, actually a play right now. Mm -hmm. And for theater, it's also very hard to find a show that has strong female leads. And by strong, I don't necessarily mean, you know, like physically, oh, I, I never cry. I'm kind of butch. (laughs) I don't mean that. I mean, like, I mean, bench press the male leads. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. That's, that's funny. That's another story. That's another story. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I was, uh, I was approached by, um, Lorene Vonnegut, who is Kurt Vonnegut's, uh, niece. Mm-hmm. And, um, she's produced her first play. Have my attention right now. Continue, yeah. please. Uh. <laughs> and, yeah, she, she is, um, she's a, she's a writer and she's living in uh, Mexico right now. And she passed her play on to me, her very first play that she's ever written. And, uh, it's, it's basically like hurly burly for females and, uh, it's amazing. And I, and I'm producing it, I'm acting in it. It'll hopefully go up in the spring and, uh, we're, we're tackling it. I'm excited by opportunities like that where, you know, we're going to have a, get a female director. We've got the three, you know, strong female character leads. Um, it's got a male, it's got male and male, um, actors in the, in the cast. It's not just a complete, you know, estrogen fest, but, um, it, it, <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's, it's nice. Like those opportunities I will jump on to, you know, because it's just such a great, you know, it, this, there's not a, a whole, whole lot of stories, uh, that are fresh, refresh or that are new, fresh, um, for, for leading ladies. So in on stage, um, so yeah, so I'm excited about that. Um, Definitely. you know, That's, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. <laughs> now, you know, obviously, uh, stories have to be different though. And, you know, TV, movies, plays, video games. Um, what do you think makes a story work in a video game as opposed to one that's, you know, would work for film or play or, or whatnot? I think for video games, I think what's, what's making them so, um, compelling now is that they are so relatable Mm -hmm. i think that i think that knowing and this is from my own experience as you know i played alias for example you know i was addicted to alias and jennifer garner and that whole you know time um and i played that video game religiously but i never really cared if i had to go to bed and it was time to put the controller down you know i didn't i wasn't that attached to the character Mm -hmm. um it was just sort of ah, i didn't figure out how to you know 
move that box and lean it up against that thing and flip that light switch and crawl through that rafter. I didn't figure that out. Okay, well, you know, tomorrow or the next day. Mm -hmm. But now I feel like, I feel like um, video games today, and especially, I mean, I'm speaking from Blacklist, um, you know, that, and some, and, you know, some of the, the trailers I've seen for some new, new ones coming out, that, you know, there's a real uh, merging of, of film and gaming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what draws people to film is that they watch characters that they can connect with, they can relate to, or, you know, that's, that's what makes a moving an actor so you know enthralling to watch is that oh my gosh like I see myself in that person right now and so you know video games used to be so sort of removed from the player it was just sort of the player was manipulating the the thing you know I'm Zelda would little two-dimensional Zelda would you know <laughs> be like that that's sort of what would happen right and um now I feel like it's um players become more invested so I think the games that are most compelling today are the ones where where the player actually feels like it's them, mm-hmm. um, that they're having real stuff happen to them, that they're invested in these relationships, they're feeling, um, they're feeling things, you know, they're feeling an emotional connection with with the story. But also, you know, Blacklist gives gives the player a lot of control, so you can choose how how you think Sam would respond in certain situations so that also draws players in because they're more they're more involved in the morality the decision making mm-hmm. the you know what would I do if this was me right now I mean I've got choices now I can do it this way I can do it this way I can do it this way or you know it, it's it's uh it's it's calling for more um involvement in the decision making and uh, I think that I think that's where video games are are headed I think we've taken you know the ceiling of video games and made it the floor, and and it's it's only going to get more and more true. Um, uh, the experiences are going to be are going to be more um, uh, more authentic. I think for the gamer, if that's if that's the word, authentic. Yeah, I think that's the word I want to use. <laughs> do, do you ever feel like it might get too authentic sometimes? Because I don't know personally, I get tired of when everything's so super overly serious. Sometimes I, I kind of want just some dumb fun. Yeah, and I mean that's 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 when you you know I'm the same way. Like I'm I'm gonna tell you a secret, and to anyone who's listening, you now know a secret that I play Coasterville on Facebook. Like I'm addicted <laughs> to this stupid vo- Coasterville because I you know I have to go and change the toilet paper at the restroom or my patrons, <laughs> will, you know they won't be happy or my you know my Ferris wheel is turning fast enough so I can Sad make it that faster. the CEO yeah. has to change the toilet paper in a. Uh, I know, but that's serious business. You need to make sure that's done right. You can't just leave that to anybody. <laughs> hey, you know, duty calls. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was trying to make a bad potty joke. <laughs> you, anyway. you succeeded. You, you, did, like... <laughs> you did not fail in that endeavor. <laughs> it was bad indeed. Um, so yeah, no, I, I understand that. That sometimes it can get too serious, and and I mean the nice thing about uh, Blacklist is that we've got some comic relief in Blacklist. We've got a new character, Charlie Cole, who is um, he is uh, he's comedic. He's uh, innocent. He's new. He's he's <laughs> he's like a bad teenager, um, <laughs> you know. He so he they they've really tried to find a balance. Um, you know they've they've tried to you know it's not so heavy 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 the whole time but um and again that's part of the relatability that i'm talking about like that's what draws people in is 
when they, you know, we, we, we do crack jokes at inopportune times when we're uncomfortable, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just human. Yeah. It's just human that we do that. It's not, you know, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think it's going to be a good mix of, you know, action and seriousness and, and, uh, some lighthearted chuckles. Although, you know, not a lot of chuckles come from Grimm. She seems to be pretty, pretty, uh, focused the whole time, but, you pretty, know. Pretty, uh, Grimm? She's some grim. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I couldn't resist. It was it was good. That was <laughs> I think you and I are one for one in the bad joke department now. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> um yeah, so so that that's uh yeah. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I have to ask on on the just on the voice side of things because I'm super interested in, in just the amazing things that that the human voice does and how many amazing mm-hmm. like just voice actors are out there and the, the crazy things they're able to do. Um, yeah. How far is Grim from your just normal speaking voice? Did you have to change her at all? Is it just kind of like just a deeper tone? Um, no, she's she's pretty. When I'm on my voice, uh, you know, she's she's pretty much my my tonality. Um, you know, obviously when I, Kate, you know, the person gets excited, uh, you know, and my, you know, squeal and do things like that. And, you know, that's not Grim. Grim doesn't do that. So there's been a few times where, you know, something got pretty intense and, and the voice goes into this different place and, and the director's like, okay, let's, you know, bring Grim, Grim, bring Grim back. <laughs> Grim, Grim's ditzy uh, twin sister has made an entrance and let's kindly escort her out of the building. Um, you know, so no, it's, she's, she's pretty close to, uh, to, to my regular voice when I'm, you know, being serious and stuff. Um, but, you know, which is good because I can't imagine, you know, having to, to fabricate a voice for the length of time that we have and then every time coming back and thinking, oh, where, where did that voice sit in my register? And does this, is this it? Is this, does, do I sound the same? And, you know, so, yeah, so that's, but you're right. Voice acting is just, uh, it's such an art in its own. You know, I, the things that actors can do. I've, I've done a few voice gigs and, uh, you know, it's always very, it's very exciting. Um, and I haven't even, I haven't even branched off into the sort of, you know, um, caricatures you know yet of of different voices so it's it's i'm looking forward to that part you know awesome yeah all right so we're we're, we're actually approaching the end of this interview okay. amazingly enough um <laughs> i kind of like to end things in the actor studio james lipton way okay um, with a little questionnaire just to to kind of get some uh you know there's inner qualities about you inner answers Okay. Um, and we're working on a new name for it. So. Yes, we are. Originally, it was the lightning round, but Ooh. this does not go very fast. No. <laughs> so that had to change. Uh, Jonathan is subjective, uh, or subjected. Uh, he, he's put forward the contemplative round, and I say that because there's a question mark on the end of there. Hey, you, you don't have to enunciate I, the question mark. I, I, I mean, mean things like Ron Burgundy. If it's on the screen, <laughs> I'm read it like that. I have to stay true to the craft here. So, oh my gosh, this sounds exciting and nerve-wracking all at the same time. It's it's really not. I, I put a lot more emphasis on this than it really deserves. So. <laughs> Should, do I need to do I need to pull up Google and like have my like my lightning fast typing ready here so I don't you know so I, I have yeah, these are your keyboard so we can hear fake typing. That's cool too. Okay, but these are but these are questions only you can answer. Trivia, not, not so. okay. Yeah, not trivia at all. Okay. That since you revealed yourself to be a gamer, we we had some other questions that were lined up, but I'm getting rid of those. I'll go back to okay. the original. <laughs> so, first question: 
who is your favorite video game protagonist? Whether it be hero, anti-hero, who's who's your favorite, the, the favorite character you like to play? And, and it can't be Grimm, sorry. Or Sam Fisher. Okay, can't Well, that would be, <laughs> I know, that would be really boring, wouldn't it? Uh, my favorite one that I would like to play, oh my gosh. Oh, um, 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 oh, it would be, it would be Jennifer Garner in Alias. It would be the, her character in the Alias game. That works. Okay. Right. Did I pass? Yes. Because yeah, it was either that or it was, it was the little, the little guy in, uh, um, 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 Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Luigi. Oh, okay. Luigi? Okay. Luigi. The, the taller of the brothers? Yes, I like the taller guy. I'm tall. Yeah, so, so, unlike you know. the internet, your opinion's not wrong here. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> there, there's no failing this. As long as you give an answer, you pass. Um, flipping that coin, okay, good. Uh, who is your favorite antagonist? Um, 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 oh, um, it would be, oh, God, gosh, you guys. Um, so yeah, this is why we can't call it the lightning round anymore. Exactly. Just, this, this happens every time, so don't, don't. Antagonist. Um, well, Gargamel was a big antagonist when I played Smurf <laughs> all the time on the ColecoVision, but that's not, that was a long time ago. I'm trying, I can't think of any antagonists right now, unless it's, you know, um, oh gosh, unless it's like the, the, my opponent when I'm playing, you know, Forza. Um, in the car racing game. <laughs> so it would be okay, my so opponent. We'll mark this down at that bastard on the other side of the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that guy. That guy's the antagonist. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is probably the, I would say this is probably the hardest thing on there. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your least favorite video game trope? What's the, what's the one thing about video games that you'd, you'd love to be able to leave behind? Oh, the whole notion of, you know, um, um, killing off you know, women and murdering women as, as a, as getting, you know, money and, and stuff like that. Okay. So no, 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 uh, girlfriends and refrigerators. No girlfriends. I was going to say that. And then I thought, no, I don't want to go there. I'll just, oh, yeah. uh, no, no, that's okay. No, go girlfriend, there. no girlfriends. I, I, stuff I, that's, that, that's my favorite one. Cause that leads right back into comics and I love comics too. So <laughs> that's, yeah, that, okay. I completely feel that I, I, as a man, so it makes me feel really bad that that seems to be the only way to get us motivated. Um, so uh, I would like to oh. see that one too. <laughs> yeah, gone, gone are those days. <laughs> um, what is your favorite thing about acting in a video game? Uh, it's definitely not um, wearing um, the. Uh, head vice, um, cam- head camera. Um, the, we call it the brain vice. Um, oh, my favorite thing! My favorite thing! My favorite thing is um, the the freedom, the imagine using your imagination. Um, it's like being a kid at the playground. You know, you um, you you know when you were at the playground and you you created everything. It was all like the, oh, the monkey bars were this and the monkey, yeah. you know, that's, that's what acting in a video game is exactly like. You have to create everything out of your imagination. So you get basically, you're paid to be a kid again. It's great. Wow. Damn. I'm in the wrong profession. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, you spend a day on set on a video game in a performance capture suit. Just don't eat like a major pasta meal the night before. Cause then you'll be a little, <laughs> you know, you might have to wear the larger size, which oh. has happened. 
Um, <laughs> not going to lie. Not going to lie. There's been days we've gone on set and like, yeah, I think I need the bigger sides, you know, today. Um, but uh, so that, you know, maybe that's my least favorite thing is that's right. having, <laughs> having to go up in this size in my motion capture suit. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but that, that's, that's, the, that's the best thing is the using your imagination and, and just getting like, oh, it's just being a kid again. So you've already been a teacher. Um, yep. Is there any other profession that you'd ever like to try? I'd love to be a race car driver. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, like like Indy or NASCAR or like yeah. Ferrari? Um, it doesn't matter. As long as I get to drive a car that's really fast and I can win. Okay. Do you, um, do you prefer let's, – let's expand this a little. Would you prefer like a uh, – do you want like the oval circuit or would you prefer something more like a street race? I'd like a street race. Okay. Yeah, I'd like a street race. Um, I'd like, um, you know, a nice, loud car that, you know, I've got sort of some gadgets on the side so that I could bump into people and instantly deflate their tires. Um, I'd like that. (laughs) I'd like, you know, fire spray out the back of my exhaust. So you want to be Spy Hunter. (laughs) Well, I was going to say James Bond. You want the... Uh, B12 Vanquish, basically. That would be amazing. Um, you know what? I'm actually a really great driver. So, and I'm and I'm sometimes a fast driver, and I just have always envisioned myself as a race car driver. You know, I think that I would really like that job. You know, so maybe one day, maybe maybe on the side, just yeah. do a little race car driving. <laughs> well, obviously, you have to get trained to to drive race cars so that you can do that in your next gig. So, that, yeah, that's something sure. that you need to do just for your your own person. You're so right. Thank you for reminding me of that. I'm going to put that on my to-do list. I'm going to look into that tomorrow and find out. But wouldn't wouldn't that be a great job? Like, you get to drive amazingly fast cars. You know, you get to, like, be aggressive, and and you you don't have to worry about watching for police officers and speed traps and, you know which I seem to always find, um, you know, in my life. So then it would just be, like, this freedom to just, you know, drive fast and blossom awesome stink i think that would be great that's awesome sounds good to me <laughs> uh all right and uh so I, I like to envision the end of life being well no this is this is wrong i that's not it's just a question um so when you come to the end of your life um <laughs> instead of you know like the pearly gates of heaven or even just nothing um i try to leave all of that out of it and just say we're all going to end up in the mushroom kingdom um toad is the one who lets you in toad has a book that has everything you've ever done what would you like him to say to you based off of that your enormous life full of work what 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 is the thing you'd like him to take away from all that oh man i'd like him to say kate you drove fast (laughs) you you were (laughs) no um uh, oh, what would I like him to say? I'd like him. I'd like him to give me a hug. Hopefully, he's tall enough. Um, <laughs> he gives me. He gives me a. Gives me a hug, and he says, "I'm so proud of you because you went after your dreams. You risked everything for what you loved, and you you for and for what you believe in, and." Um, and and you made one heck of a great mom. Because one day I want to be a mom, you know. So I think I think uh, I think that's what I'd like Toad to say to me. That's what I envision. 
you pass. That's it. You're yeah, that's you're done. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm all embarrassed all of a sudden. I don't know why. <laughs> I just revealed myself. I guess you know all, the mushy side of me. That's, that's you what know, it's that's, all about. Yeah, that's what. That's why that's I can't call it the lightning round. It's maybe the mush round. I don't know. We'll figure it's, it out. This, <laughs> well, this, is, this, is, this is technically the mushroom question. Oh! I didn't know we were going to end it like this. I would have been better well, prepared. No. That's we're, like... we're, we're... <laughs> oh, no. No, no this... fortunately, we have one more question. Oh, okay, um... great. I can myself. Um... Uh, if you could just tell uh, the listeners uh, when they can expect to be getting orders from you as Grimm. Uh, and Splinter Cell Blacklist, but but you have to do it in your most authentic Anna Grimm's daughter voice. Wait, but I have to understand. I don't understand the question. What do you mean when they can get orders from me? What when, does that mean? When the game's going to be out. When they when oh! they play the game and be oh, Sam oh, and, oh, oh, and hear oh. your voice in their ear. Oh, see, I'm so analytical. I have to analyze everything. Okay, <laughs> listeners, as of August twentieth. You will be able to get your hands on Splinter Cell Blacklist. I'm going to tell you something else, but I'm not quite sure what it is yet. Just be safe, have fun, and share it with your friends. All right. That's it. That's all I had to say. <laughs> that's, that's great. Uh, thanks, thanks for being on. Really enjoyed our talk. And uh, wish you the best in future gigs. Thank uh, you so much, great. you guys. You guys were a blast. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> you know, we get told that a lot. I don't want to be arrogant, but we're we're pretty great guys. I'm just yeah, you, <laughs> you are. You succeed at being arrogant, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would that would be that would suck if you had someone say, "Yeah, you know what? This has been a total drag, and really wish we didn't have this interview." <laughs> Lie to us and tell us it was fun anyway. Yeah, it's like, yeah <laughs> at least everyone either lies or you know is just very uh, Canadian and kind and says they had a great time. So yeah, well I believe it. I think you guys are on your way to taking over the world like you like you want to do. So right. good luck. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You have to come back next roll. You got to come back. Oh, I would love to. I would love to. Fantastic. All Joel, right. Listening to this schedule, you know. Get with her people, do her thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Metal Tornado 2, folks. You heard it. Catnado. We're going to run it. Yes. It's <laughs> a dream come true. All right. Mate, <laughs> who, who told me about Sharknado just looked at me when you said Catnado and was like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> so, oh, see, this is, going ra- this is going downhill really fast. We better end it like right there. <laughs> it, it ends with Catnado. It all ends with...